0: Welcome to Dig in the Dharma, where we dig into the Buddhist dharma and explore ways to bring these 2,500-year-old teachings into our lives. I'm Doug Smith of Doug's Dharma on YouTube and the Online Dharma Institute. And I'm
1: John Aaron, teacher at New York Insight Meditation Center, and mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher and teacher trainer, and founder of Space to Meditate.
0: (music) Greetings, Doug. Good to see you. Great to see you again, John, as always. I hope you had a lovely time in the Basque region of Spain. We did. We had a great time. We had a a good vacation, a couple-week vacation. Uh, Well, not quite two weeks, but seeing my wife's friends and uh, family, our friends and my wife's family, um, and had had a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Ain't too much.
1: Yeah, well, that's (laughs) the the only times I've been to the Basque country. That's the thing I found most memorable, other than the Bilbao Museum and, and a few other Beautiful sights, but uh, yeah, it's uh, the food is incredible there.
0: Yeah, uh, people eat well. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway, so um, it's about time we sort of touched on these factors, which are referred to as the awakening factors, um, the seven factors of awakening. And <clears throat> we've touched on some of them individually. Mm-hmm. But we haven't actually touched on them as, as a kind of path as a, I mean, it's, it's not really a path, but it is a path or it can be viewed as a path or it can be experienced sure. as a path or experienced as a. Uh, I always refer to it as a bunch of signposts, you know, mm-hmm. and say, ah, oh, yeah, here you, you are here at this moment. Um, yep. but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know about what your sort of scholarly take on is, take on it is, and, uh, I can, then we can talk more about the experiential side of it could be really interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess we should probably just go through all seven yeah. just at the beginning here just to get them uh, up on the <laughs>
1: people's yeah. mind and to
0: see if our memory lasts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I well I I did a video about this uh, about them uh, quite a while back actually. Mm-hmm. I can leave a link to the video uh, in right. our show notes. So, yeah, that's sort of I'm referring to my my notes on the video. It begins with mindfulness yep and uh so you you begin this whole process in a state of mindfulness then in that state you start investigating so investigation of states is the next or investigation is the next one or curiosity Mm -hmm. different ways of translating these uh third one is energy so you gain energy out of that uh out of that investigation then out of that energy arises joy or rapture depending on how you translate that term uh, then out of the joy arises uh, tranquility. From tranquility we gain concentration, and then from concentration we gain equanimity. So those are the those are the seven. Now they're I mean schol- in a, from a scholarly perspective, they're actually quite interesting from a number of different uh, perspectives. First of all, they are uh, a key part of the fourth uh, found a factor uh, of sorry fourth foundation, foundation of mindfulness the uh, foundation of uh, dharmas and Phenomena. Uh, many uh, many scholars believe that that actually the fourth foundation ended with them it doesn't now there are other there is other material after them but uh, many scholars uh, of the of early buddhism believe that actually the the uh, suit on mindfulness ended with the factors of awakening or enlightenment.
1: Well, they, and it, it only included the hindrances and the awakening factors. Exactly. And a so lot of people they... see the, the awakening factors as an antidote to the hindrances, which can exactly. work for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. So they're sort of like a, an, uh, yeah, an antidote or, yeah, they're sort of like the, the opposite of the hindrances, if you like, um, right. in a certain way. Yeah. So, and, you know, you can understand uh, investigation, uh, the second one of these, or even, frankly, mindfulness, as sort of a process of overcoming the hindrances. Sure. That we investigate sure. the state of our minds right now, yep. are the hindrances present to the extent that we've overcome them, then, you know, energy and joy arise, these other, these later factors uh, of awakening arise. Um, so that's sort of one way to understand the process. Now, the the other interesting thing from a scholarly perspective is that there, and from a practice perspective, frankly, is that there people have noticed that there are different ways of interpreting each of these factors, and one key difference is that we can interpret them all from within a mindfulness perspective as being sort of aspects of how we uh, orient towards our mindfulness practice, but we can also... Uh, and this is one thing that um, I think Rupert Gethin, who is a very, very uh, distinguished scholar of early Buddhism, noticed uh, among other people, um, is that they can also, all of them, especially the later ones, be interpreted from a jhanic perspective. That is, that they're illustrating a process of getting into the deeper and deeper jhanas, because many of the terms that we've used in these factors of, of awakening are also used in the jhana factors as being uh, for example uh, joy or rapture is is key for the first and second jhanas tranquility concentration equanimity these are all uh, uh, characteristics of the later jhanas uh, equanimity being the fourth jhana and so if you understand them in terms of jhana which is the are these deep states of meditative absorption it makes clearer uh why perhaps the uh, seventh and eighth stages of the eightfold path are right mindfulness and then right concentration. So mm. you be, you know, if you think of the four foundations of mindfulness, it begins with mindfulness. The first stage of these um, of these factors of awakening is mindfulness, but then you move towards the eighth factor of the path of the eightfold path being right concentration. So you move towards concentration, then at least in this sort of one many typical descriptions of enlightenment the buddha then moves from jhana into uh, enlightenment into into nirvana so that's another way to interpret these um these factors of, of awakening so they they're quite complicated and i think they have multi they're multivalent and i don't sure. I, I think we have yeah. to avoid trying to assume that they're one or the other like you have to interpret them one way i mean some people sort of say oh it's it's got to be this you know, it's got to be only jhana or it's got to be only mindful and it's i think it's i think the buddha allowed it to be open so that they can be interpreted in many ways because they can be depending where you are in the path you know they can be seen in different from that perspective that's really key Is like where you are in your own
1: practice and where you are because they're not linear
0: <laughs> right not necessarily uh, yeah, yeah of course. and
1: yeah. i mean or they can be linear but then You know, they're not, it's not like, oh, that's, I've reached the end, unless you actually have, you know, reached that place. But most of us, you know, it's like, oh, okay, there's a, this sense of, of, of balance and, and equipose and, or however one wants to interpret, upeka, equanimity, you know, there's a sense of ease. Therefore, I've arrived, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and then it's not, then it's gone. And then you start again. Um, And to me, they're just, you know, in my experience with them, they're useful. They're really useful. just. But in, in teaching it, you know, and, and in sort of speaking with students and hearing other students on retreats and things um, that I've been on, it's it's sort of like the jhanas. You know, it's like, oh, I've achieved this jhana, and therefore I've, I've accomplished something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's like the idea of accomplishment can, as much as anything, get in the way of our own process, <clears throat> and our own, uh, it just creates a, a sense of striving. So I think, you know, the idea, and, and I, I know that um, in Analia's book on, on mindfulness of breathing, he will, you know, which, and, and, and the awakening factors come in in the last part of that teaching, although not explicitly, they're there implicitly, uh, in the, in, at least in the 16 steps of mindfulness of breathing, but it's like, oh, they're like little stops along the way, and sometimes you need to go back. Mm-hmm. And that they're the, the, the first, so so mindfulness is considered a sort of neutral factor. It's present, it doesn't, uh, it, it's just present. Whereas, you know, energy and uh, investigation energy and to some degree joy are more energetic factors. Mm-hmm. And then you have the tranquility and Unification, I missed one. Whatever, yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever. Um, you know, which are more calming factors, and then equanimity, you know, which is a, a point of arrival. And what I find, you know, also is, it's fascinating. And I'm teaching a class on this now. Is <clears throat> equanimity shows itself in, in any number of places within the teachings, and we've talked about mm-hmm. this sure. in prior in prior um, podcasts. That you know, equanimity is one of the viharas and it's also one of the parames, the last of both of those. <clears throat> Again, it's like the the problem with lists, I suppose we mm-hmm. could say it's right, is that people see a list and they think it's <clears throat> it's a progress chart, and in some ways it can be. It can be, it
0: can be. Yeah.
1: Um, but it also then creates a, a potential place of of undue striving. Let's put it that way.
0: But it's interesting how equanimity seems to come at the end of all these lists. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting, all yeah, these yeah. different lists and equanimity at the very end. Yeah. It's like, you know, he's pointing towards something <laughs> for sure. For sure.
1: And, um, uh, and, 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 you know, even as you were describing it in relationship to the hindrances. So if we look at the hindrances, yes, mindfulness for any of the hindrances is a key antidote it's like well what's really happening Mm -hmm. but that's also investigation but if the hindrance is one of sluggishness sloth and torpor then you want to just bring in energy right away to sort of alleviate the sloth and torpor Mm -hmm. and then you can go back and investigate what caused the sloth and torpor i mean so it's it's um even in that sense it's not it's not a linear process necessarily Mm -hmm. at the same time if it's you know, you're, if, you're, if your hindrance is agitation, then bringing in more tranquility will calm that agitation. And then you have the, the opportunity to kind of investigate what caused the agitation. So it's, there's so many ways to skin the cat, such as, mm-hmm. such as it is, you know. <laughs> and these are just really fundamental, I would say, to understanding mindfulness the fact that it's in the fourth foundation but it also relates to the other three foundations of course as do the hindrances you know it's like well okay so i'm mindful of the body you know and mindfulness of the body or mindfulness of breath alone uh, has the potential to you know lead us into to take us through those awakening factors so it's not like you have to wait till you get to it's not like the it's not like the fourth foundation is also the end of a list you know it's like it's just another it's it's a map of the experience of our practice mm-hmm. in this sense right so yeah
0: yeah i mean they can be seen i i think they again once again i think these are multivalent i mean i yeah. think they can be seen as progressive but they don't need to be seen as progressive right um they can be seen yeah as you say j- doubling back i mean it's like the eightfold path itself right which you know can be seen as a progress I mean, there are resonances with the Buddha's own uh, with the Buddha's own mm-hmm. life progress in the Eightfold Path. Again, leading up through mindfulness and concentration, through the jhanas to enlightenment. But you know, as many people have said, mm-hmm. I mean, the, if in in normal practice we tend to sort of you know, cycle back and forth between various yeah, yeah. Of, uh, of the stages of the Eightfold Path. I mean, yeah. it's not like we can, you know, get, we just, we we, we complete our, our ethical training and we're done with it. <laughs> we move <laughs> forward. That doesn't happen, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, uh, right right uh, view at the very beginning can also be seen as the final, you know, as so the there end. are all kinds of, yeah, yeah. all kinds of yeah. weirdnesses there.
1: T.S. Eliot, in the beginning is the end. In the, <laughs> uh, the end, my end is my beginning and so That's on. Good, yeah. And then there's you know there's just the fact that we call them the awakening factors, mm-hmm. you know it's like oh I'm awake you know it's like mm-hmm. and yes for a moment there is that that notion of being awake uh, and alive yeah. in a particular now, I way
0: I have to I have to I, I, I have to. Uh, uh, say a couple of words from Bhikkhu Bodhi in the sense that, you know, Bhikkhu Bodhi would translate that as enlightenment rather right. than awakening. Yeah, um, We maybe want to do a podcast about that. I did a couple of videos on that a while back, Yeah, because yeah, yeah. there's a big, uh, <laughs> there's well, uh, a small argument, uh, argument or dis- disagreement between Bhikkhu Bodhi and Bhikkhu Inaglio on that, <laughs> uh, Bhikkhu Inalya preferring uh, awakening and Bhikkhu Bodhi saying, no, awakening's not right, it's got to be enlightenment. And uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi has interesting arguments. His, his his main argument, I think, if I can uh, paraphrase, is that we don't find the metaphor of waking up in the suttas related to nirvana and right. uh, bodhi, which is the word in, in Pali, uh, bodhi. Uh, literally speaking, bodhi uh, in its Vedic origins did mean waking up, which is why people do translate it that way. But in... Uh, bhikkhu bodhi's understanding the term in pali really doesn't have much of that connotation anymore and it means more like knowing or knowledge or something like that and um, there are lots of metaphors of light and bringing light into the darkness and the lighting a a candle or whatever when it comes to the Buddha's teaching and so light enlightenment is a better is a better Word to use there. That's his. That's his argument. So, I only bring that in because we're talking about the the enlighten or the awakening factors. They or, could also be understood as the enlightenment factors, and and then understanding them as bringing light to our lives rather than waking up, uh, coming out of a dream world into the real world or something like that. Right. 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 On the other
1: hand, it also is involving extinguishing certain things. <laughs>
0: Right, which is the word for nirvana. Nirvana literally means extinguishment. extinguishment, Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: but we wouldn't call them the extinguishment factors. So, um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Yeah, and so, I mean, that's always an interesting discussion. I I don't think it necessarily, does it change the way we look at them in in themselves? I guess that's Mm. a question.
0: Metaphors can make a difference in how we approach things. So I think, you know, we have to, but maybe not that much.
1: In this case, I'm just thinking... Yeah, does it change, like, when we found concentration? And the reason I like unification more than concentration is because concentration just connotated implies a certain, or for me, anyway, it implies a certain kind of fierceness
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as opposed to
1: unification, which is, I think, really the sense of, Mm -hmm. you know, it's because we're, we're just, there's nothing going out it's all right. kind of unified uh, the mind is unified um, mm-hmm. and you know and but then there are then there are those moments of course where equanimity is simply present having nothing to do with going through all those other factors right there's just equanimity there's just mm-hmm. our ability to be with now maybe that ability to be with is a result of many hours of, of practice and many, many years of, of seeing things in a particular way. But it's not like in order to be equanimous, <laughs> we have to, you know, go through these seven uh, six other f- factors.
0: Mm, um, not necessarily, sure. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. I mean, which is why I think it's important to recognize that equanimity is in these other two teachings, at, at least, within mm-hmm. the... Within the uh, uh, Within the um, Brahma Viharas and and the Parami.
0: Well, although they're also in the Jhanas, and there we sort of do have to, I mean, at least in my understanding of the practice, Mm. it's not usually, I don't know that it's ever mentioned that you can go direct to the fourth Jhana from zero. I think you're supposed to, I mean, in general, the practice is described as, as, as progressive, that you progress from one Jhana to the next, going through, you know, rapture, tranquility, and into sort of deeper states of tranquility and into uh, equanimity at the last.
1: You know, it's it's interesting because I've been spending some time reading. Uh, I don't know if you know the sutta which uh, is translated as <clears throat> "full of love." Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's I don't I can't remember how Bhikkhu Bodhi translates it. Translates it. That's this is Chujato's Su- Su- translation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's from the linked discourses, and it's about the Brahma, the, the Brahma Viharas, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it, when it gets to well, each each of the Brahma Viharas is in, is in a sense linked to one of the Jonic states, mm-hmm. and equanimity in this case is the dimension of nothingness, which is you know one of the what do they one
0: of the the uh, uh, formless attainments.
1: Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's fascinating to me that that's you know. The apex of the heart's released by equanimity is the dimension of nothingness. Is the translation, hmm. and it's like, oh, that is really interesting. It's like, and and in a way, you can understand it because this quality of equanimity is a quality of not being drawn in one one way or another, right? Mm-hmm. You're just holding all things as they are, which I wouldn't necessarily think of as nothingness.
0: Yeah, but
1: you know, because. What, you know, what is nothingness? What does that even mean? You mm. know? Yeah. So I've, it's fascinating. And and likewise, you know, uh, in that sutta, joy is uh, – sympathetic joy is the, the mention of infinite consciousness, which is the one, you know, th- also a formless state. Yeah. yeah. So or it's –
0: After it, I don't remember.
1: <laughs> no, I think nothingness is the last, I, I think. think, of those formless – of those – Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh,
0: neither perception nor non-perception, uh, yeah. I think, is the fourth. Uh Yes. Maybe you're right.
1: Yeah. So it's so you know the teachings themselves can you know overlap in interesting ways, and and sure. and yet you know in terms of our own practice, and if we think of this, you know, in the in the context of the fourth foundation, where the awakening factors appear, I guess maybe for the first time, but maybe not. I mean, it's hard to
0: say, right? Mm, yeah. Um, I don't know which. Yeah, how you would determine.
1: As, as mindfulness is cultivated more and more, as we become, you know, more <clears throat> aware and, and more, and, and great, and we gain greater clarity, then we can start to see, oh, yes, okay, here, here is where this, here is the signpost I'm at at this very moment, you know, and, and yet it's, and it's through mindfulness that equanimity is really strengthened, I think, because we become aware of the push and pull of our day-to-day lives. And it's like, okay, where am I in the factors of awakening in 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 the sense of how I'm living my life? And we don't necessarily think of, in the middle of our day, you know, having a unified mind necessarily. Mm -hmm. And yet it's through the unified mind and through, you know, finding these states of tranquility that we realize these are Always possible and always available to us. Mm-hmm. Perhaps we can attain them more and more quickly, you know, when we need to. And they're, va- you know, we can, we can draw on them when we need to draw on them. Equanimity itself is, is not something we have to draw on. It's just there. And mindfulness is pointing to what is getting in the way of that quality being present. Um, so it's, oh. Yeah, so I'm I'm not feeling equanimous because, or I'm not feeling balanced because this is happening, and we can see that, and then investigate that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it is this kind of continual strength we have, a con- continual growth we have of seeing clearly, and more clearly, and more clearly, and more clearly. Right. And so we're we're you know sort of building on on the steps every time we take them. You know, or maybe we could see it as, like, the mountain is, you know, the the path is bringing us higher. Mm -hmm. Or every, you know, they they kind of repeat themselves and we keep going higher up the mountain or
0: whatever, I mean. Right. Well, it gives us signposts, I think, as you say, for skillful states that we should be pursuing in our lives. Because, you know, oftentimes we get distracted. I think most of our lives are sort of spent in a distracted state of one kind or another. And it's good to have these in the back of our minds to keep us, you know headed in the uh, sort of a more skillful direction towards that equanimity. Um, I mean, I think it is telling that equanimity is this, even if we don't really think these are necessarily linear, uh, it is telling that equanimity is at this final edge of them. Yeah. Um, So that's kind of our, you know, that's kind of, I think the Buddha is trying to tell us, you know, subtly trying to tell us that that's sort of where we should be aiming ourselves is towards that equanimity. And these other States are sort of helpers towards, you know, this uh, yeah. uh, energy concentration or or, or or unification, tranquility. All of these are sort of helper states to get us towards that equanimity. I mean, if we can unify our minds, we're not distracted, so we're not, you know, losing the the thread, which I can attest to have happened to me <laughs> several times. But you know, if we can if we can keep that mind unified, if we can, you know, if we can keep ourselves tranquil keep yeah. ourselves mindful uh try to make joy arise that that will be helpful in our practice to, again towards that final kind of you know i mean in, in a sense towards kind of a final equanimity of of not worrying about uh, pleasures or pains of not you know getting caught up in in uh, the vicissitudes of life that that um that end up being painful for us
1: yeah so the, visit- the vicissitudes will happen. yeah and the question is how are we holding those? How are we being right. with those? And, and this is why we practice. Mm-hmm. And when we and, and we have to make sure that we don't misinterpret equanimity as being indifference. equanimity is right.
0: you know of course, finding mm-hmm.
1: this place of balance that sure. allows us then to act in much more skillful ways so that we're not. Mm-hmm. Drawn in a particular direction because we've lost our equanimity, right? Um, mm-hmm. Indifference is not yeah.
0: not a not what we're looking for. <laughs>
1: not at all, not at all. Yeah, so this is an ongoing discussion.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say one of the one of the wonderful things that uh, we had on our trip was some very good coffee. Ooh in uh, in madrid in particular madrid uh, the coffee is very very good in madrid and a couple of places a lot of new cafes opening up which is interesting because uh, spanish coffee tends to be made in their own way which is sometimes a little bit bitter but there are a lot of sort of new small cafes uh, and even larger cafes now that are that are becoming more popular that are doing it sort of the more italian way with espresso kind of stuff so it was interesting uh,
1: and 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 how does this relate to equanimity <laughs> <laughs> or the awakening factors.
0: It helps keep you awake. Uh, oh, that's true.
1: Right. That is, a, that is a factor of awakening. Good coffee. And we do love coffee. Yeah, we do As, love a, as I think our
0: listeners will know by yeah. now, because we repeat it a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, if you'd like to support the podcast, we greatly appreciate that. It keeps us awake. And um, you can buy us a coffee at our website, diginthedharma.com. And please, please leave us comments. Sure, um, we love that. Uh, and ask us questions. Become a member. We had a new member join us last week, I think. Oh, that's great. I need to reach out to him, and I think it's a him. And uh, you know, invite him on the show. And yeah. So there it is. There Keep it waking is. up.
0: <laughs> okay. Keep bringing light into the world. <laughs> yes,
1: in- indeed. All right. Until next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on your podcast directory. And please check us out at digginthedharma.com where you can leave a comment, buy us a coffee, and even become a member. You can find out more about me, John Aaron, at johnaron.net and Doug at dugsdharma.com.